Great. So if you want to grab, if you want to grab one of those balloons and just throw it towards me, throw it towards me. Oh, you have to go again. Give somebody else a go. You want to throw it towards me? Oh, these balloons aren't bursting. What's going on? Hey, there we go. I was going to say, adults, you may want to cover your ears at this point. Do you want to throw the balloon? It's going to be a big one. I can just feel it. There we go. Well, can we give a round of applause for our participants? Wonderful. Now, as well as bursting a few balloons this morning, I also want to burst a few myths this morning surrounding the Christmas story. And so I'm going to read a few statements and let me know whether you think it is true or false. Is that okay? Are you with me? Are you, are you awake, church, this morning? Yeah? Great. I know it's Christmas, you know, but uh, we're going to be in a turkey coma later, but yeah, just need some participation. Okay, so the first one. Mary rode into Bethlehem on a donkey. True or false? I'm hearing lots of truths. It's false. I know. Because the Bible never actually mentions a donkey. It only says that Mary and Joseph traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Luke 2 and verses 4 and 5. Okay, let's see if you can do a little bit better on this next one. So, Mary gave birth in a stable or a barn. True or false? I'm hearing a loud false over there. And you, were, you would be right. Because the Bible doesn't mention any of the above. It only mentions a manger in Luke 2 and verse 7. And this manger is likely to have been in a relative's home and not in an inn as we are commonly led to believe. Okay, final one. The angels sang to the shepherds who washed their socks by night, or rather, watched their flocks by night. Did they sing true or false? It's false. Because the angels never sang, but rather they spoke, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Luke 2 and verse 14. Now I do hope that I haven't ruined anyone's Christmas this morning. Because I know that some of you may actually love the nativity scenes along with the donkeys and the stables, etc. But it is important to know that the events surrounding the birth of our Savior are not a fairy tale or a fantasy of once upon a time. No. But they are, in effect, 100% fact and truth. How do we know? Well... It's because it happened during the days of Caesar Augustus and during the reign of Quirinius, who was the governor of Syria at that time. Luke chapter 2. And what's more is that we have a whole host of Bible prophecies or predictions, if you like, which further expel the myths. For instance, Micah 5.2. In the NLT it reads... But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, 
are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. In other words, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah 7.14, it tells us that the Messiah would be born of a virgin and he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And I love Isaiah 9 and verse 6, a famous verse that I'm sure you all know well. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Glory to Jesus. And so... All of these prophecies or predictions that were given hundreds of years earlier were all culminated and were all fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Praise God. Now, question. What are the odds of one man fulfilling all of these prophecies or predictions? Does anyone actually know? Anyone? There is one man, more specifically a professor of science and mathematics called Dr. Peter Stoner. Who knows? Now, Dr. Stoner, he wanted to know what the odds were of one man fulfilling just eight of these Bible prophecies. And so he gathered a number of his students together to crunch the numbers and to work out the probability of what the odds could potentially be. And this is what they came up with. They said that the chance of one man fulfilling all of the uh, eight of these Bible prophecies is, are you ready for it? One in ten to the seventeenth power. That's One chance in a one with 17 zeros after it, which is absolutely minuscule and practically nigh on impossible. Wouldn't you agree? It's like this. Imagine, if you will, the state of Texas in the good old U.S. of A., which, by the way, is pretty big. Now, cover it with coins two feet deep. And then ask somebody to randomly pick out a randomly marked coin amongst those trillions of other coins and to do so whilst blindfolded and on the first attempt. Quite impossible, right? And that just gives us a little flavor as to actually how impossible it is for one man to fulfill just eight Bible prophecies and yet our Lord fulfilled not eight but over 300 plus which reduces the odds even further wow all that to say that the Christmas story far from being an elaborate myth or coincidence is in fact sovereign design right down to its very detail glory now all of this it begs the question of why 
Why did God put on flesh and come in the likeness of men? Why did the King of glory, the Lord of heaven and earth, exchange his royal throne for a wooden cross? Why? Simply because he did it for you and he did it for me. You see, due to the fall, our relationship with God was severed. It was cut off due to sin. And so in order to mend our relationship back with the Father, the Son, Christ Jesus, he had to come. There was no other way. Which is why I love the words of that hymn that we sung, that carol, should I say, that we sung earlier on, that great carol by Charles Wesley, which says, Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark the herald, angels sing glory to the newborn king. Amen. And that is why we celebrate and rejoice at Christmas. Because Christmas is the time when Jesus, the light of the world, stepped down into darkness. And it's when he came to rescue us, to redeem us, and to give us life everlasting. Thank you, Jesus. Praise him. And so in the words of Sam Albury, Come, all ye faithless, joyless, and defeated, Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Because Christmas is for the weary. It's for the messed up and for the broken. That if your life isn't Instagrammable or TikTok perfect right now, then know that the Christ of Christmas is for you. And so if that's you this morning, then simply come to him today. His invitation is for you also. Amen. Now I'm coming into land. And as I close, allow me to finish with this story. It's the story of a little boy who one day made this little sailboat. He spent ages putting this little boat together, carefully gluing all of its pieces in place until finally It was complete. He then, with great excitement, took it down to a nearby stream where he carefully places it on the water and then lets it go. And as he watched, he is so pleased with himself because it sailed flawlessly without ever capsizing or even falling apart. But then... All of a sudden, this gust of wind comes out of nowhere and it catches the little boat and it drags it further down the stream to the point where the little boy can now no longer reach it. But helplessly, all he could do was watch it drift further and further away until eventually it went out of sight. Heartbroken. The little boy went home and he was so sad because he had poured his heart and soul into making this little boat, but now it was gone forever. 
Or so it seemed. Until one day, as he walks past his shop, something catches his eye. And when he looks over, much to his surprise, he sees his very own boat staring right back at him. However, at this point, dangling from it is this ghastly-looking price tag. And so he walks into the shop, and he says, Excuse me, sir, but I made that boat in the window, so please, can I have it back? But the owner replies with him, Sorry, son, but if you want it, then you will have to pay for it. Frantically, the little boy races home, and he raids his piggy bank, and he returns to the shop, to buy his boat back. And after paying for it, he says, you're mine twice. Once when I made you and twice when I purchased you. And that's exactly what Jesus says to us. That you are mine twice. Once when I made you and twice when I went to the cross to redeem you because it's in the manger that God loves us and it's through the cross that God saves us amen and so as we tuck into our turkey dinners and as we exchange our gifts a little bit later on may we remember that the Christmas story far from being a myth is the story of how a great saviour put on flesh and he came to our rescue. That he is, without a shadow of doubt, the greatest gift that one could ever receive. And so, let us receive him afresh this morning and let us make room for him. Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. Amen. And if you're here this morning and you've perhaps got questions surrounding this Christmas story, maybe you see the tinsel and the shine of the lights just twinkling away, but you've never actually discovered what the true meaning and the essence of Christmas is, then I want to urge you to come and grab one of us and we would love to chat with you. Amen. So I'm going to invite the worship team, if they wouldn't mind just coming back and playing us out on our very last song.